What's up, guys? Welcome back to another daily Bible reading snapshot. Today we're looking at Genesis 44 and 45. Then we're going to be looking at Matthew 14 in the New Testament. Now, here in Genesis 44, Joseph is going to put his brothers to the test, similar to what he did in yesterday's reading, but now it's more severe. Now, Joseph is going to set them up and see how they respond. He wants to know, have they repented? Have they turned from their sin? And are they embracing and loving Benjamin. Are they going to protect Benjamin or are they going to hang Benjamin out to dry? So he's constantly setting them up. And one of the things he does to set them up is he puts stuff in Benjamin's sack, right? In his bag, he, he puts stuff in there so that it looks like Benjamin stole stuff. Now he knows they didn't, but for them, if they're going to sell out Benjamin, now is the perfect time. And obviously, Joseph, if they did sell out Benjamin, Joseph could protect Benjamin and tell Benjamin who he is and all that stuff. But that's not necessary because they protect Benjamin. He says um, here something very interesting. When Judah um, is talking and, and they find out that this stuff is put in Benjamin's sack and they come back, Joseph says, what have you guys done? What did you do? He says, don't you know that I can figure stuff like this out? Judah says, what shall we say to my Lord? To him, to, to Joseph. What shall we speak? Or how can we clear ourselves? God has found out the guilt of your servants. What does that mean? Well, does that mean that, oh yeah, Benjamin is guilty and he did do it? I don't think that's what it means. I think Judah is saying, God is paying us back for what we did. Now, what did they do that was so wrong? Well, remember what they did? They sold Joseph into slavery. They wanted to kill Joseph. I think what Judah is explaining there, even sharing his heart, that he doesn't even know he's talking to the person he sold out at this time, but I think he's showing his guilt over their sin early on in life. He says, God has found out our guilt, and now God's paying us back for the guilt that we really do deserve in selling out our brother Joseph. Now, he doesn't say that in particular, but I do think that's what he's alluding to. Now, it says Judah stands up and he says, hey, take me. I, I will be the one. I will be the one that will take the responsibility for this. And Joseph's like, no, no, no. I mean, you didn't do anything wrong. It was it was this guy, your youngest, Benjamin. And he says, no, no, no. I will take the blame. I told my father that I could not go back home unless I bring him. And if I don't bring him back, I'm not going back. So take me, kill me, do whatever you want, but send this kid away. Don't let him be taken there. And it says, this was so interesting, so overwhelming to Joseph in the beginning of chapter 45. It says, then Joseph could not control himself. Before all those who stood by him, he cried, make everyone go away from me. And it says he wept. He wept so loud um, that the people of Israel or the people of Egypt knew who it was. He had them all go away and he just talked to the brothers. And here's what he says. I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not even answer them for they were dismayed at his presence. And Joseph said, hey, come near to me, please. And they came near. And he said, I'm your brother Joseph, who you sold into Egypt. Now, don't be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me here before you to preserve life. Look at what Joseph is saying. He's saying, it's not that you sent me here. It's, yeah, I mean, you didn't send me here. But overall, it was God who sent me here. And he sent me here to preserve your life. Don't you see, brothers? The reason that God let you do that evil thing was because it was going to preserve the life of our entire family. If you hadn't sold me into Egypt, I could not save you from this famine and we would have all died. So the fact that you did what was evil, God used that for good. And it says that they were so um, 
distraught by this. It took them a while to, to even settle down. But Joseph explains, hey, you know, we, we can have the whole family here. We can live in the best part of the land. And it says they fell upon um, their brother. And they, then it says Joseph fell upon his brother Benjamin in verse 40, 14. And he wept. And Benjamin wept upon his neck. It says he kissed his brothers and all of his brothers talked with him. And then Pharaoh finds out Joseph's brothers are here. And he's like, Joseph's brothers are here? Let's throw a party. I mean, Joseph's family, he hasn't seen them in years. Let's throw a party. And it's, which also is interesting, we notice, if Pharaoh knew that the brothers sold him into slavery, I don't think Pharaoh would be excited to throw a party. It's something interesting. I don't think Joseph ragged on his family to Pharaoh, even though he totally could have. Joseph did not complain about his family. He didn't say what his brothers did. He held that back, which actually protected the reputation. Imagine maybe if Joseph did complain to Pharaoh about what his brothers did. I don't think Pharaoh would be so forgiving as Joseph was forgiving. Just interesting point there. Don't speak bad about your family to people because at some point it might backfire. And here, clearly it was good that Joseph didn't say anything bad about his family to Pharaoh. So just a side note here. But it says, the sons of Israel came and they brought... Um, they brought Israel, their father, um, back to the land. So that, that's what happens here at the very end. It says they go talk to their father and they say, Joseph is still alive. He is ruler over all the land of Egypt. And it says jo Jacob's heart was numb and he did not believe them. So it had to be explained to Jacob over and over again, which what's the problem with all this? The truth has to come out. The fact that Joseph is alive brings the truth out that the brothers lied to Jacob. And not only did they lie to Jacob years earlier, they kept up the lie and they didn't tell him the truth, even though they knew the truth. And, and that had to be a hard thing for Jacob. But Jacob is much more interested in, well, my son's alive. That's good. My sons are a bunch of liars, but at least Joseph is alive. That's good news. And they go down... Um, to Egypt. And that's where the story ends here in chapter 45. We're going to learn more tomorrow about what happens when they get to Egypt. But the interesting thing is, you see very important themes here, like one, that Judah feels like he's getting punished for his sin, which in a way, God is certainly testing him. Also, the brothers stand up for Benjamin. Also, Joseph tells them who he is and they have a hard time believing him. But Joseph recognizes the sovereignty of God. And also, Pharaoh gets excited to see Joseph's brothers, which shows that Joseph protected the reputation of his brothers instead of throwing them under the bus. So, so much here. But the big thing, I think, as we look at Joseph's life and see it really described in, in detail here, is he, instead of taking, holding grudges and taking revenge on his brothers, he recognizes God's sovereignty. He recognizes that God uses the evil of other people to do what's good. And he, instead of taking revenge, he loves his brothers. And he's so happy to see how they have progressed and repented. And they are not the same you know, jerks that they were earlier in life. They are much kinder and they love their younger brother, Benjamin, and they, they do whatever they can to protect him, which is a good sign of their godliness, that which has certainly grown since they were young men earlier on in the book. So that's our reading in the book of Genesis. Now we're looking at Matthew chapter 14, which we get another scene of a man in prison for doing the right thing. And this scene doesn't end with happily ever after. So as we study different characters in the Bible, I think it's helpful for us. Sometimes people are unjustly thrown in prison and God uses it to protect God's people and they're, they're you know, exonerated in the end. People like Joseph, people like Daniel. But then you have people like John the Baptist. You have people like Jeremiah in the Old Testament who are thrown in prison and things don't end well for them and it doesn't end in a happily ever after. But the truth is still the same, that God is in control and using both situations for his glory and honor. So John the Baptist 
He got in Herod's business too much. He preached against Herod and told him that he was in sin for what he did, um, for, for his lifestyle. He was in sin. Herod didn't like that. And then John has ended up being uh, put to death here because Pharaoh makes, uh, not Pharaoh, Herod. Herod makes some dumb promises um, to his uh, his wife and his stepdaughter. He makes some dumb promises and it ends up being that John is put in, in prison and then John is killed right here. So Jesus hears about this and he's obviously sad because his cousin is dead. John the Baptist, one of his good friends, has been killed. He withdraws to a boat in a death to a desolate place by himself. So Jesus does not want to talk to the crowds. He's mourning at this point. But then what happens? All the crowds gather around. They leave their houses, they leave their stuff, and they come and they find Jesus in this desolate place, and there's no food for them. So Jesus tells them, hey, um, give them something to eat to the disciples. And the disciples are like, uh, we can't afford that. We don't have enough food. It's impossible. These people can't get fed. And Jesus said, okay, have them sit down in groups. And he gets um, the loaves and the fishes, and he just breaks them and keeps breaking them. And then it's this miraculous amount of food that Jesus feeds people, which again, notice something that's an Old Testament illusion here. Jesus crosses water, okay? He withdraws, he crosses a body of water, and then he feeds his people in the wilderness. Sounds a lot like the book of Exodus when God crossed the water, the people crossed the water, and then afterwards, God miraculously feeds them with bread from heaven. Jesus feeds them with miraculous bread from heaven. What is it saying? What's that supposed to show us? Well, Jesus is all the power and authority of God, and he is the one enacting God's plan in the world. So when he feeds them, not only is that a sign that, oh, he can do amazing things, but it's a connection point between Jesus and the God who, who reigns in the Old Testament, who took care of his people back then. So that's our reading. Hopefully, as you read that, you get a lot out of it, thinking you want to be bold like John the Baptist, no matter what doing what God wants, no matter the cost. That's super important for us to take away. So thanks for reading. We'll see you back tomorrow for another daily Bible reading snapshot.